Welcome in to another Wednesday edition of the Stripe Show podcast. <clears throat> I am Froggy, and thank you so much for uh, spending your Wednesday with us. Every week, we try to give you something new that you don't get everywhere else. And today, I think that we are going to succeed in doing that again. I am joined by the VP of Tour Operations from TaylorMade Golf. Welcome into the podcast, Keith Sabarbaro. Keith, thank you so much for giving us your time, man. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So, Keith is the guy if you ever wonder like for example if you go to golf galaxy and you go somewhere or maybe you're lucky enough to go to one of your club fittings and there's a guy that fits you for clubs and you make sure that your clubs fit your swing and you're on a track man and you do all that stuff you've ever wondered who does that for the tour players whether it's tiger or rory or dj or colin any of those guys for TaylorMade? i can tell you who it is it's this guy he is the man that puts the best players in the world in the right clubs. That must be an amazing experience to watch these guys hit golf balls. Yeah. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to do this for 21 years at a great golf company. We have a great staff. I've got to work with, you know, some of the best players in the world. And, you know, the one club that's probably the most fun to fit is the driver. And I've had the luxury of probably fitting the best drivers of the golf ball in the world the last 10 years. So you learn so much. Apologies there. I didn't plan on being on camera and no <laughs> going through this, but um, yeah, no, it's uh, you learn so much from these guys. Um, you learn so much about your equipment. I think one of TaylorMade's advantages is these great drivers we have and these great players. Um, you know, not everything you do is 100% perfect all the time. And I think we, you know, when we're bringing out prototypes or when we're testing, we, we have such good swingers of the you know, golf club that can tell things so easily that we're able to make great adjustments before the clubs actually, you know, hit the tour or hit the marketplace. I, I think this staff we have is a huge advantage for the quality of our equipment. I mean, it really must be special because, I mean, you've played golf since you were young and then you finally get to where you are now and you're fitting arguably the best players in the world. Uh, I mean, how shocked are you? And I'm sure that it's there's different levels of, of these guys. How shocked are you sometimes at how amazingly on and the, the way that these guys can work the golf ball and what, what they can do and the sound that ball makes when they hit it? Yeah, it makes you, you know, even if you're a scratch golfer or no matter how good you think you are, I mean, you, you spend some time with Dustin and Rory and work on drivers. I mean, you realize really quick that, uh, yeah, there's – you're not even close to the level of the, the consistency that they they hit in the center of the face. Right. And, you know, when you move a club a quarter degree aloft and it actually you see the spin rate go 100 RPMs different. I mean, it's literally like fitting robots. They are they are so good. That's also why they're the best players in the world. It's uh, yeah, it, it also kind of can make fitting easier, to be quite honest. Um, I could argue that fitting these my job, it's either the easiest fit in the world or the hardest, to be quite honest. Right. It, you know, they're so good and they can tell so much that if, you know, it's very easy to dial it in because it's simple stuff. Ball goes high, you make it go lower. Ball's going right, you make it go left. And when guys are really good, when you move a little bit of weight, they see it. When you take a little bit of loft off, they see it or add or change a lie angle. It shows up really quick. Now, if you're really off and they're, you, you know, and you're, you're really struggling, then you can really be hard to fit a guy. You know, there's, there's times where, 
you know, even with, you know, if you talk to Tiger about it, there's been times where the initial fit went horrible and we couldn't have been farther from, you know, where we needed to get to, but he's such a robot also that, you know, you're, you're able to make, it might not fix it that day, but then I can go back, think about what happened, come back the next day with another solution. And we always seem to dial it in, but sometimes it takes two or three days in Florida. Sometimes it takes, you know, some years you just send them one and you don't need to do anything, but show up. So um, it's a fun job though. I enjoy it. It's a challenge. It is. I mean, how excited were you that first time when you get the call that, Hey, Tiger Woods is joining team TaylorMade and you're going to go fit the Tiger Woods. I mean, that had to be yet an excited, but yet nervous experience to go and watch the best player arguably of all time hit golf balls. I mean, I've known him for a while, so it wasn't, um, and obviously the fitting happened before he joined us. That was kind of step one in it. So I would have kind of been, you know, the, the first person to even see if him signing with TaylorMade would have been possible. And it was just me, which is kind of how he likes it. And right. yeah, I mean, it's, he's the greatest player ever. And to be able to work that closely with him one-on-one with no one else around was an awesome experience. I was, uh, excitement would be the word, um, yeah, and I still enjoy it to this day every time I get to spend time with them. It's amazing. I mean, their swings are, you know, extremely repeatable. I know back in the day they had that, you know, the iron machine so you could repeat swings. And the thing I've noticed when I go for a fitting is my swing is different on a Monday than it is on a Tuesday. But these guys, I feel like their swings are much more repeatable so that therefore fitting them is easier. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that goes back to what I say. They're, they're easier to fit because they're way more consistent. Uh, they have good and bad days also they're just not quite as bad as your monday to tuesdays i'm right. assuming so god i hope um, not <laughs> but you still gotta you still gotta weigh that in you might be getting them after you know with a new product that's it, released after christmas you might be grabbing a guy who hasn't really hit a ball for two or three weeks so you gotta factor that in and in the fit that you might do the fit i might do for dustin and kapalua because he's he's not as sharp as he's or he's not as fast speeds a big part of it. When these guys take time off, they come back. They're generally not as fast. They get faster the more they play. So if you're fitting a guy in December and in his off season, and he's at 174 ball speed, and then you see him at, you know, in January and he's at 180, that that's potentially a different fit. So you just kind of, you know, you adjust through that, but you also know, you also expect that over the years. So, um, yeah, you just it's an adjustment. And then when they get in good form and swinging well, then you kind of dial it in. I mean, obviously, Roy McElroy back in uh, top form coming off of a win at, at the um, at the Wells Fargo and looked amazing. I mean, really, really played really, really well. And it's great to see Roy playing good again. And, and I'm sure that we you know, we've all had these times where we're off and then we're on and we're off and we're on. So. Go through the process of getting Rory into his clubs. And then when, when things aren't going well, are, are there changes going on? Are you trying new clubs? Are you trying different sets of irons or different settings? How does that work? Yeah, yes to all that. Um, you go through your fitting, you know, in January. And, you know, driver-wise, we, we pretty much, I mean, he's very consistent. We, we pretty much nailed it, I think, to start the year. He was driving it pretty good. You know, his game wasn't in the form he wanted it. You know, it's uh, covid You've seen not only the fans, but not being around his, his instructor, his longtime instructor with the with the regulations, you know, of getting back and forth from Ireland. There's just, 
you know, he probably wasn't in his perfect swinging form. And, you know, he's just started rounding into that. I think in the last month, you know, he's doing some great work with a new instructor and um, kind of the last driver tweak we made was before match play. And he's got the same driver and he had, he had went a little lighter in the shaft and uh, he was jumping around a little bit, searching for the best fit as I was too. And uh, we got back to a 70 gram shaft in a, in a fairly normal setting for him. Um, the other th- thing is, when you've worked with these guys for so many years, you kind of know what a go-to setting is. You know, you know, Dustin's going to have a 10, five driver, either in standard hooked in a little bit to maybe 11, 11 and a half. Uh, you know, his shafts, a 65, 70 gram shaft, his length and everything. And so if you do a fitting and you end up with Dustin in a nine degree driver, it, it's probably not the right fit, but if that's where he's at at that time, you do the best you can, but you kind of, work back to what you know works and uh we're kind of worked rory back to a 70 gram shaft kind of in a a nine degree you know head that was about eight and a half degrees which has kind of been his go-to setting and that's what he's had since match play and uh it's been a little more consistent and it's uh starting to show a little bit of form so now with rory openly talking about how he's gone from where he was hitting the big slinging draw before and now he's gone he's gone to hitting that power fade and working with pete cowan is there an equipment change there or is that something as simple as just moving the weight in the head and making it a little easier to move the ball from left to right? There hasn't been an equipment change. Um, the spin rates went up a little bit. He's spinning a little more than he used to because he's hitting a cut to a draw. So we'll discuss that. Uh, he's got 185 mile an hour ball speed. So I'm not too concerned with a couple hundred RPMs of spin. That's not going to make or break, you know, the week, but uh, there could be an equipment change coming down the road. I mean, the, the logical thing, probably approach would be to go to maybe just a half degree less loft to try and counter, you know, a little more of the cut spin if he's going to continue to play that cut. So, um, yeah, that's, that's all a work in progress as, you know, as these guys change their game or their ball flight or their attack angles and swing, you have to adjust the equipment to it. You know, you mentioned the ball speed. Did you ever think when you started in this business, however many years ago it was, did you ever think you'd see ball speeds approaching 190 and 200 miles per hour? Yeah, it's playoff time, big stakes, bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over under on the game. That's right. For every 1,500 players who bet the over on the select game, the over-under will drop by one point. Every better who hammers the over in the featured game helps to lower the game's over-under. The best part is that even as the line lowers, the odds remain at even money. That's right. You can double your money by hammering the over. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code Travis when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the overhitting. So tell your friends and family, this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code Travis, for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Yes and no. I mean, when I came on tour, 180 was the holy grail. 180 gave you perfect launch conditions, 310 to 320 through the air. Right. Um, I had the fortunate, you know, in 2001 or two, I mean, I grew up with the Keenies. I, you know, Trip was on my college golf team. I've known Henry Keeney since he was 13 years old. So when, you know, people don't talk about him enough. If you look at driving distance, what he did and whatever year that was, 02 or 03, but he turned pro and he, you know, before he got on tour, he, I would play golf with him and he would play tailor-made. So when he got on tour that year, I mean, if he wanted to, he could get 190 and with a 44-inch driver in 2003. So I, when you saw someone like him, you know, I actually saw him drive the – I played with him at Bay Hill one day and he drove the six green, the same thing Bryson was doing. He did wow. that in 2002. Wow. So when – when you see someone like that, you know, more are coming. So the old, you know, 180 was the Holy grail. When a kid would come out of college, it's like, Oh my God, he's got 180. That's a huge advantage to me. It's 185. Now, now there are 190 guys and Bryson's so good. He can actually control 190, but he's probably the only guy I've seen that, that can play at 190 and really maximize his launch and spin. And, you know, I still think at those speeds, it's hard to keep the spin down to maximize it. You know, I still think there's room for Bryson to maximize more, but equipment, we're, someone's, we're going to have to figure out how to do that. But um, yeah, 182, 183 is just the normal now. Um, for Roar to be cruising at 185, you know, a year ago, he was a 178 to 182 guy. Now he's a 183 to 186 guy day in and day out. It's, uh, it's kind of like that in every sport. As soon as a guy breaks a four minute mile, that becomes, you know, the norm, you know, and I think everyone sees that you can kind of do that. And, you know, I don't think 10, 15 years ago, people thought you could play at 190. Now that obviously Bryson's showing you can, I think the rest of the tour and kids in college will find it acceptable to play at 190. No, no different than if you shot where Curry did in high school, when I was going through, you'd be thrown on the, you know, you're on the bench. You right. can't pull up when you just cross half court. Now it's kind of acceptable. So right. it sports change. And the big thing in golf is, you know, I think if you're a college golf coach and you had a player at 190, 10 or 12 years ago, you might, and he's not hitting it straight. You might try and slow him down. I think you definitely would, you know, Hey, accuracy, this and that, but strokes gained is so on important distances. I think if you have a player, if I met a junior golfer that had 190, I'd tell him to driver every hole and try and hit at 195. So it's, what it's evolving. Find? I think 190. And my, my point of that is 180 was the Holy grail 15 years ago. One it's going to be 190 in the next five years. There'll be loads of guys, five, 10 years that are at 190. That won't be that uncommon yeah and i mean i know you're not an instructor but do you find it has it really turned into more uh of a speed game than it is an accuracy game would you say that hitting it far is is far more important than trying to hit it straight it's a combo of the two i mean if you have the speed and you can hit driver on the pga tour on the the toughest golf courses and keep it in play it's a huge advantage um the thing is with strokes gained is distance is a huge part of it and hitting in the rough isn't probably that much of a penalty, but the penalty strokes are the penalties. You know, if, if you hit one ball in a hazard or one ball out of bounds, that's a two shot penalty. You can't hit enough drives to make up for it. 360 yard drive. So you, you still have to keep the ball in play. Um, 
which the best players can do, you know? Right. They find a way when you're, when, and when you're fitting, going back to when you're f- fitting somebody. So let's say you, you give them a new head. Do, do, a lot of times, is it harder to fit somebody or a shaft or a head, which is more important. I've heard that, you know, one's the engine and one's the car, but which is more important, whether it's for a tour player or whether it's for an amateur player. It's a combo of the two. Um, we have the advantage of tailor made of, we use the same sleeve every year. It's, you know, inch and a quarter board depth. I mean, so you're keeping the flex and everything the same. Um, so we tend to stay with the same shafts. I would think if you're jumping around different, uh, uh, you know, companies, drivers, that you might start going with different shafts. But I tend, you know, you know, if you switch in shaft and head, if Dustin's trying a new driver and you're switching both variables and he doesn't drive it well, which one is it? Is it the head or the shaft? You don't really know. So I try and eliminate variables and I try and stick with the same shaft initially and then just get the new head to work with that shaft. Now, if we're struggling and not getting that to work, I might try different shafts, but that would be, I would generally stick with the same shaft. If, if you know, the shafts work, you got, you know, the players I'm dealing with, the, the, you know, Dustin shafts has won all of his golf tournaments. You know, I don't see any reason to switch. Um, last year, Rory switched shafts. He did that. He wanted to try some different ones. He found one that he thought worked better with the SIM head and he switched to that. And now he's in a different product and he's still in that product. So it's, uh, you know, they're both very important. Yeah. Cause you see guys, I had often wondered, when you did, when you go from Sim to Sim Two or whatever the next product will be, do you shift? Do you, you know, do you change both, or do you take that new head and just pop it on the old shaft because that is familiar and you already know what that shaft does? That's why I had asked. Yep. Generally, you don't take their old shaft; you'll do a new version. But one fitting technique is to take the shaft out of the old one and put it in the new one. Generally, they don't like to do that because um, they want to compare against their old ones, so they don't want to be switching the shafts out of it. So we generally just do a new shaft. Right, that makes sense. So with, with Rory, I had seen that they make an iron change. And how often, how difficult is, I know Rory was playing the 730s, and now he's, I think he used the Roars Proto to win the uh, Wells Fargo. How how difficult is it to make that iron change going from the 730 or, or the combo set back to the Proto? sometimes it's easy sometimes it's not um he went to the seven mcs uh then he you know the roars proto was the 730 so they're the same iron uh he was just the first guy to get it um that turned into the 730 um so that that was a pretty con you know pretty easy switch for him Uh, he went back to his old roars proto i think it was comfort um you know, you, when you're not playing your best golf, you're going to you're going to grab some old clubs occasionally. And uh, he went back to those and they just felt amazing to him. He loved how they went through the ground. He thought the spin rates were more consistent. Um, you know, he also switched to our new ball this year. The, the you know, the he loves the new TP520, you know, TP5X21 around the greens. It's just game changing for him. It's so soft, so much spin. And maybe that little bit more spin didn't quite match up as well with the current setup that we had fit him into in those you know p7 mbs we probably need to make a little adjustment with them and you know he's going back to a ball you know the the 21 ball is probably more similar spin to the 17 ball that he was fit with the roars proto so it kind of makes sense that that combo kind of matched up to me a little better than maybe the combo of the you know 19 tp5 with the p7 mc so you know it's it's 
these guys figure a lot out on their own and they ask us questions, but I thought it was a great idea to try his old iron that kind of matched up with a similar spin rate to the, to the ball that those irons were fit with. And it was an easy move. He took them out, hit them and they just came out perfect. And like winner, we got a nice ball iron combo. And then, you know, whatever, was it the first week he put him in one or the second? I don't even know, but it was, yeah, one of the other guys. Yeah. Quickly hit a couple good iron shots and uh, yeah, that third on 18 with the, ball below your feet out of the rough i don't think people realize how good that uh that shot was you had to cover that whole water it's a t impossible angle to even hit the green at quail hollow there from there and that was an amazing iron shot unbelievable it really was it really yeah. was i saw the whoop i saw that uh, you know the, he's wearing that whoop bracelet and when he hit that tee shot his heart rate spiked at 140 as the ball <laughs> was in the air and bouncing but I, I, I loved listening to the um between him and harry i loved listening to the dynamic as they were deciding whether to chop that ball back into the fairway or take a drop, obviously they ended up making the right decision, but you know, it was, it was great to see Rory win again and golf is in a better place when Rory McIlroy is standing in the winner's circle as along with, you know, many of the other top players in the world. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. That was obviously they, they couldn't get to the fairway comfortably and going sideways on the side hill was probably no better than dropping it. And Harry did a great job. And it's the hardest part about being a caddy is it was, you know, he, mentioned it and he did it if it didn't work you know the social world would probably be killing harry for it but uh, i'm glad would. it worked out so he would it was good so do you find that i mean obviously you know taylor made puts out a new new driver every year and i'm sure that there's already stuff in the works for whatever the next uh whether it's a, a sim not per se by name sim three but we had sim sim two and whatever the next is do you find that some players are more eager or easier to get into new equipment and some guys like to take a little longer? Yeah, I, I do think there's that. Um, we try and get ahead of this so we don't have any issues and let the guys test it, but you really don't know till it gets in competition. Um, but yeah, they're all eager to switch to new equipment for sure. So um, the initial switch I don't think is very hard. It's just trying to, get a good fit in a short time frame coming off a break of Christmas and getting it completely dialed in to where we want. There's uh, yeah. Some years is a little more challenging than others and there's no rhyme or reason. There's not like one player I can say is more difficult than the other. I think all our guys are pretty easy and you know, we have pretty good success at getting these guys in the newest product right off the bat and it working. Uh, occasionally you run into a hiccup here and there, which you know, there's, it could be a product issue. It could be a player issue. There could be a combo of both. Now, what do you, what do you attribute it to other than just, I mean, it's just a superior product that yes, there are the tailor-made contract staffers, but generally many tournaments out of the year, tailor-made leads a tournament with drivers in the bag on guys that are not on staff. Do you, you attribute that to just the technology or, do you think it sometimes has to do with they see these these guys who are hitting the ball so well, moving it and, and being able to control it? Does that maybe play into their decision to play a tailor-made driver? I think it's a combo. I think, uh, you know, you look at the success tailor-made's had the last 20 years on tour. So I, I there'd be very few guys on tour that haven't probably played a tailor-made at some point of their career. And I think when you've played a certain brand, what, you know, whether it's ball putter, iron, you know, driver and you've had success, you kind of, you know, check the box that you trust that brand, you know? So I think we have a lot of trust in our brand. And then I also think we have some of the 
best players in the world playing it. And I also think, I think we have the best products in the world. So, you know, none of these guys are going to switch and especially the guys that can play whatever they want, but even our staff players, people think, you know, they have to switch. They don't have to switch. They switch because they think it's better. And, you know, the, so they're not contracted by, they're not obligated to play the new driver. If we they want them to play their best team. golf. No, there's right. nothing in there that, yeah. I mean, they, I mean, you see it with companies, guys show up with really old drivers sometimes, you know, I think yeah. every company would say the same thing. The, the most important thing is the players playing their best golf. I mean, no company plays a pays a player enough money that would, uh, I don't think supersede performance. At least you would hope not. But, um, yeah, so I getting back to that, I think we have really good drivers. And when you come out with good technologies and then I think we have good people to fit them across the world. Um, we have a great R&D staff that prepares the fitters with what we have coming so we can get it right. I think we do a good job of knowing what we have. So when you go work with one of these guys, you don't get a ton of time with the superstar guys that can play with what, whatever they want. And, you know, they, they generally test a lot of different companies' equipment. So you got to get it right. I think we do a wonderful job, or at least I, I get great info from our R&D and testing department on what this driver does compared to the last driver. So, you know, first impressions are very important. You want, when you're handing someone a driver, you want it to come out straight and fly and be 90% there on the first hit. If it's way off, then you're really, you know, you set a bad impression. So I think we do a great job of, of fitting and knowing what our products do and, you know, having quick success with uh, not only our staff players, but the players that can play with, a, you know, any driver they would like. Yeah, I don't know how long you've been at TaylorMade, but I think you're going to like this. The other day I was at a uh, one of those, like, play-it-again sports type places where somebody had traded. They had a bubble shaft TaylorMade driver in there. And I'm like, I hadn't seen that. But I remember I, I played that bubble shaft driver where it was really thick and it got kind of narrow at the uh, down down towards the head. Were, were you with TaylorMade when that was around? I wasn't there. Uh, my first year was 2000. Now, ironically, I think like Layman and maybe Lee Jansen, some of the old old timer TaylorMade guys had fell in love with that bubble shaft. Yeah. So even my first year with 300 series, we did put some bubble shafts in 300 series. Really? So I, I am familiar with the product. I did play the product personally. You know, I remember the, uh, that burner was, a. I I love that driver. I believe yeah. what, what year was that? 96. I think Layman L's won with it. Some majors. It was uh, O'Meara. So, I mean, that bubble got some major victories. It was, uh, it was pretty good. It did. I saw one the other day and I was tempted to buy it. I'm tempted like, you know what? I'll just buy this and just hit it just for fun. It's probably uh, an inch shorter than your current driver at yeah, least. I think so, it was. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think my first, the first real TaylorMade driver that I played was the R1. Uh, my, my, my friend had the R5 or the R7. Yeah. And then when, the, when the R1 came out, I was, cause that was the, was that the first real adjustable driver? Rapsodo Mobile Launch Monitor. Improve your golf swing today. Pro-level launch data in the palm of your hand. It is very accurate within 2% of a $20,000 unit. The Rapsodo MLM app automatically tracks stats and stores video with Shot Tracer, helpful for club gapping and understanding true distances for each club. Rapsodo MLM provides immediate feedback data and creates a better practice environment, not mindlessly hitting balls. Extremely portable, cases about the size of a rangefinder. And you know what? You can use it both indoors 
and outdoors. I love this launch monitor. It's the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor. Check it out at rapsodo.com. R-A-P-S-O-D-O.com. Rapsodo.com. Um, and then like the soul I think plate our, turning on one was after it. R11 was, well, I'm trying to think here. R, R7 R11 was white. Weights. Was <laughs> R11 the first adjustable one? It might have been R11. Yeah, I remember that was white. A buddy no, no, it was R9. R9 had an adjustable sleeve. Wow. R9 yeah. was the first adjustable sleeve. That was the one Dustin fell in love with. Really? He loved that R9. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah, that had the first adjustable sleeve. That was so game changing. That made fitting so much easier. My God. How often are these guys putting new wedges in play? I mean, the average amateur holds on to wedges for years, but these guys with the spin and, and as much as they hit balls around the greens and work on their wedges, how often are they putting a new head in? It's player specific. I, I'd say if you averaged it out, um, a 60 degree, obviously way more than your middle wedges, the middle wedges, a player like Dustin can play the same 52 almost all year, maybe two of them. He'll probably switch 60 every four events. And then it'll also depend on the, on the week. When you get to a really firm week, they'll, they'll switch wedges. We have the advantage of having the mill grind sole and we don't really custom grind for them. So, um, they, they find one of our mill grinds. So we know the soul's perfect every time. So we'll have guys that uh, we'll have guys that actually hold off on a really firm week and won't start chipping with the new one until maybe Wednesday. They'll do Monday, Tuesday with their old one. And then Wednesday they'll switch and then put a new one in on Thursday. But I'd say um, Rory, Dustin, they probably Rory probably switches his 60 every three or four events. Dustin probably every four or five. I'd say four events would probably be five, six, somewhere in there would be common for most tour players. Um, I guess depending on the sole, I know sometimes if you're custom grinding, when we used to do that, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was harder to switch because it's just really hard to get it perfect every single time. And you got to make a lot of attempts so it could delay you a little more. I know we're talking to you now. You are across the street from the uh, TaylorMade building in there in the kingdom. Uh, when do you leave for the PGA Championship? I will leave Sunday. We got, uh, yeah, we're Friday before now, so Sunday, and then uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday there, be back Wednesday night. That's a normal work week for us tour reps. Wow. So you'll be he- so you'll be headed over there, do that. So Colin is the defending champion. Yes. What exactly, when when you head to, to, to a major championship, and I know tour trucks are only allowed on site for so many days, and then they have to go, um, what exactly are you doing? Are they putting, are they trying new things? Or are they really just trying to tweak what they have as they get ready for a major championship? I think there's only four of them a year. Uh, yeah, everything. I mean, it, uh, this time of year, the new products are launched. Uh, everyone has the new stuff. So we're not really dialing too much of that in anymore. It's a major week. I'm sure there'll be some wedges depending how firm it is. Um, you don't know what's going to come up. You, sometimes a course condition, you know, a guy, you know, a lot of these majors sometimes will be rough and uh, a player will want a high lofted wood instead of a long iron. So we're just there to service them. Um, Like at this point, there'll be, you know, I got a few fairway wood requests from some guys already, you know, they'll start texting you the week before, you know, I sent a few things this week to get ready for next week. Um, With a major, they don't know what they're going to get till they get there. You know, how long is it going to play? How firm is it? What type of course it is there? There might be some club, that someone feels they need for that week. It could be a four wedge week. It could be a three wedge week. I, you know, you just, 
you meet with each guy, you kind of hang out with them, you see what's going on, you watch them hit balls, um, you hope nothing breaks. That rarely happens, but that can be a fix we do. Right. Um, right. And just try and get them ready for ready for the week. Now you did say there's new there's some new stuff out. So is has the driver that will replace the Sim Two, whatever the next generation for the TaylorMade is. Has that driver already been created, and is it in players' hands now? Are they testing it already? It's been created. It's not in players' hands. We'll wait a little bit on that, um, but they will they will be introduced to it. You know, a good three months probably before they play it, and we'll start working on uh, you know if any tweaks need to be made and get ready for whenever we decide to launch the new one. So they do. So it's it it has been created, but not in players' hands yet. But they do get to see it and try it uh, prior to having to really come close to putting it in the bag. So therefore you have, you have a time to fit them. Yes, exactly. Wow. That's cool. That's it's amazing. It's crazy how, well, you want their feedback. Like, like we, we started this conversation. We got the best drives of the golf ball in the world. We want, I want to see these guys hit it. You can tell when Rory McIlroy hits the new driver, you can tell a lot about that new driver in five hits. Wow. I mean, it's, we have all the robot testing. We have player testing, but there's nothing like watching these guys hit it. And, you know, in 10 minutes, I can learn so much about the new product by just having Dustin and Rory hit it. So we want to get that feedback. And I'm sure they enjoy that. I'm sure they enjoy hitting new products when they're all together and, and, and playing games and, and, and messing around and, and, you know, building the relationship that they have together. But it's probably fun for them to try new golf. Oh, they love it. Everyone loves new stuff. We all love new toys. So. Right. Yeah, right, they're I like, hey, I'll, I'll, you know, yeah. I'd love to try it. That's great. So, any any other new? I saw the uh, putter that Rory was using last week. Is that a new? Is that a newer putter? I think it's a hydroblast spider. I'm not. Yeah. You would think I'd be the most knowledgeable person in the world on every piece of equipment <laughs> of what the name is. I'm bad with names. I just, that is I, it. It is. It is. I just get that. it in play, and uh, <laughs> I think it's a hydroblast spider. But yeah, he put that in play uh, before match play, also. Um, Love the way it looked. He had a little input on the finish and in the design of it. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, worked out really good. It was awesome at Quail Hollow, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you see these guys change putters. I know DJ changed the last day of a tournament and then went back to what he was playing before, the spider that he's been playing forever. Um, it, it's interesting to see that oftentimes as an amateur, when I'm putting bad, I think maybe a new putter would help me too. It doesn't help me as much as it helps them. But to see them switch putters is is – has become fairly common. Yeah, I. Uh, it comes back to you not playing your best golf all the time, and when you you're not shooting the scores you want, whether you're Dustin Johnson or you or me, sometimes you want a new look. You know, it's just not looking in like it, it did in your hands. It's not holding the putts or not hitting the shots you want, or the wedge isn't going through the ground exactly how you want, and you just want to try something new. And they're the they're the same, and they have the advantage of a tour truck sitting there with everything in it so um yeah i actually think if i was a tour player i mean i would be a horrible tour player for a rep i think i'd be trying stuff all the time i'd be driving myself crazy so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh i know at the end of the year you guys all get together and and do the the filming and the fitting and everything down in florida just actually just south of where i am now i'm in Ponte Vedra, but it's closer to palm beach jupiter area so has this year's Christmas card, the, the, the tailor-made Christmas card has become something that everybody looks forward to every year. Are you aware if this year's Christmas card, have they started the plan yet on what the guys will be wearing and what the plan will be? 
they probably have. I am completely not involved. <laughs> um, my only job would be to make sure they actually agree to do it the day of. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome to see. It's a fun way to you know we start the we start that day off with that, and it's a good laugh and uh, yeah, it's really fun. And I'm sure it's in the works again. It's been a home run, so I don't see why we would stop doing it. But um, yeah, you know mu as much about it as I do for next year. You know, there's a lot of things in this this lifetime I thought I'd see, and one of them was never Tiger Woods in a onesie. But I know that I saw Tiger Woods in a onesie on the tailor-made uh, Christmas card, and that was it, – it's just fun. You can tell the guys yeah, are I mean, I, having a good time. I actually don't know the story to this, but my guess is you talk about Tiger and that Mac Daddy Santa. My guess is that was probably the inspiration for it, to be quite <laughs> honest. You know, I think if Tiger would post himself like that, I'm sure we would think that he might be willing to do it for us too. Right. A version of that, at least. I look so. forward to it. So I would be remiss if, while talking to you, if I didn't bring up yesterday's big news in uh, that Sergio Garcia is back on Team TaylorMade, somewhere that's very familiar to Sergio. Uh, he was with TaylorMade when he won the Masters. He was with TaylorMade uh, when he was playing his best golf. And so it was, it's good to see Sergio back. What exactly brought that marriage back together again? Yeah, I mean, we were together a long time. I, I was at TaylorMade when he first switched over from uh, Titleist, and I was actually the guy responsible for doing all of his equipment. So... I got to know him really good uh, early. We had a great one, run. He, he won the Masters. And as you know, I think when you win majors, opportunities present themselves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, an opportunity presented himself that he wanted to go down that path. And, uh, you know, it was it was a great mutual parting of ways. I mean, I it was hugs and we, you know, let, let's see what happens when the next opportunity comes. And, you know, when he, when he, the last opportunity expired, he started, you know, dabbling with some of our stuff again and some other stuff. And, you know, the relationships just kind of rekindled itself and he's got, you know, almost all tailor-made clubs in the bag again. He's been playing our ball, you know, the whole time he went into the new 21, you know, TP five X and is loving it. And, uh, it was just a natural fit to bring him back. Um, I mean, Sergio is tailor-made. I mean, every player, no matter what hat they have on, you kind of relate them to a certain company, you know? Right. And I think Sergio's just always been a tailor-made guy and uh, we're just really happy to have him back. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. He's excited about it and uh, look forward to a nice little run. I mean, you've got a really good stable of guys between obviously the big boys and, and, and Rory and DJ and Tiger and uh, Colin Morikawa is great. Uh, Matt Wolf, you've got now you got Sergio, Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, it really is a very good stable of guys and guys that are really good players. And and there's usually always seems to be a couple of good tailor-made guys that are always up near the top of the leaderboard. And I hear people say, well, is it because they're the best players in the world or is it because they're playing tailor-made? Well, I like to think it's a combination of the two that the best players in the world are playing some of the best equipment in the world. Yeah, I think it's a combo of the two. We love our staff. Um, getting back to Sergio, I'm actually going to tell a really quick story here yeah. because uh, it just kind of talks about Sergio, how good he is at golf. Um, when we first signed him, it was a big deal. You know, it was it was an off season. He was starting at Kapalua in January. So I flew out to Castellón, Spain to fit him in the new equipment. And uh, not only did I have the best food of my life on that trip, the hospitality, the family, but, you know, fit him in the equipment. He went to Kapalua, obviously everything in the bag. 
And so next year was kind of the same thing. You know, you got to do this switch. He's in Spain in December. So I flew to Spain again. And, I, you know, I just started to realize, I think, you know, I was there and, you know, talking about fitting it like sometimes it's really easy. Well, it was just really easy to fit him. You know, he just hits it so good. So like the next year rolled around and I was supposed to fly to Spain again and it's December and I'm like, I think I can just send the equipment and be okay with this. You know, so I just sent everything from Carlsbad to Spain, let him mess around with it, talk to him on the phone a couple of times. Sure enough, he showed up at Kapalua, new irons, new driver, new fairway woods, new wedges, new putter, 14 new clubs. So my point is, is the trips to Spain never happened again because he hits it so good and he's so easy to fit that you can literally just send him the clubs and everything would show up and he would have it fit on his own. I would say 95% perfect every single time. So, um, he, he's one of the easiest guys I've, I've ever got to fit, but, uh, yeah, I, I quickly realized that this was a pretty easy assignment, put it that way. That's unreal, but it's good. It's good to have him back and it's good to see, you know, Rory back in the winter circle again and, and DJ just coming off. I know he didn't win this, you know, um, Decky won the latest masters, but with DJ last year, winning the masters after it was delayed due to COVID, but so many good players, but Keith, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're putting these guys in the best clubs, but actually making them work for them. I mean, that's, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't discount what you're doing either. Thank you very much. No, it's uh, I love my job. Um, I can't wait to travel to South Carolina and walk around the PGA with these guys and watch them play. And, uh, hopefully we get another, uh, we got the last PGA championship with Colin. Hopefully we get another team tailor-made guy this, uh, week from now. Yeah, that'd be good. I, I love to watch Colin swing the golf club. It looks, it's one of those golf uh, swings that looks so simple and so repeatable, but for some reason, when I try to swing it like he does, I don't, I don't get the same result he gets. I hear you. He is some, uh, he is some golfer, some iron player, probably the best iron player since tiger. I think statistically so far it's, uh, Never thought I'd say that, but pretty no, impressive. It is impressive. Well, Keith, thank you for your time, man. Appreciate it. Travel safe. And uh, we will talk to you again soon here on the Stripe Show podcast. Thank you very much. Take thank care. Thank you, Keith. Have a good one, buddy. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest-performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels visit encoregolf.com slash travis fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game now back to the stripe show podcast